Hello everybody and welcome back to Physics by the River. Um, today I'm joined by Emma Gillard, a PhD student. How are you doing today, Emma? Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, nice to be on your show today. <laughs> so um, I was hoping you could tell us kind of a bit about like your project, um, maybe a bit about the physics behind it, and then tell us about the more general kind of PhD experience to kind of help inform people who are thinking about doing a PhD in their future, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm a second year PhD student at Durham University, and I'm doing an experimental PhD in like superconducting magnets, but specifically like magnets used in fusion reactors. So yeah, my project is purely experimental, and I'm basically measuring the superconducting properties of these um, yeah magnets and seeing if they'll like be able to be used in fusion reactors. <laughs> so I guess a little bit about fusion. So I'm working specifically on like future energy. Um, so nuclear fusion is something that's hopefully going to be a long term solution to the climate crisis. So we we're hoping for like clean, large scale amounts of energy as our fossil fuels run out and global warming becomes an issue. So yeah, so I'm specifically focused on trying to get that to work. But in order to get fusion to work, we need to confine this plasma to um, fuse the nuclei together and we can find that plasma using magnets and yeah superconducting magnets are basically like the the best magnets you can use uh, because well yeah I guess they're like expensive but they're also like very strong very good at confining a plasma and um, yeah so they're much better to use than normal sort of iron magnets um, but to use superconductors you need to cool them down to very low temperatures um, below their what they call their critical temperatures for them to work as magnets and I'm looking at seeing how we can try and raise that critical temperature so we don't have to spend so much money on cooling the magnets and yeah that's basically a rough outline of what I do mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not sure if that is clear enough for everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's quite clear so what kind of things are you doing to try to lower this critical temperature yeah so basically I've um I'm using this really fancy new tape that's sort of being produced on commercial levels at the moment but it's still like pretty expensive um but this this magnet is really good because it has an exceptionally large critical like critical temperature and a critical field so that means it can produce really strong magnets so like 20 teslas which is an insane amount of magnetic field and they can be cooled to about 90 kelvin and that's like higher than the uh, boiling point of liquid nitrogen so we can basically use liquid nitrogen to cool these magnets and as like as you know liquid nitrogen is um it's cheap as milk really it's a really wow. cheap thing to uh, coolant to use so so like that's so much better than like the magnets we currently use which are for example niobium titanium which uses liquid helium to um because it has a critical temperature of like 10 kelvin and it requires liquid helium to cool it and liquid helium is like as expensive as gold like <laughs> it's probably an exaggeration but it's so much more expensive than nitrogen so yeah so i'm i'm using this high temperature what they call a high temperature superconductor and um trying to make sure that under the extreme conditions of a fusion reactor this critical temperature is still high so that we can use liquid nitrogen instead of liquid helium basically okay so what are your like kind of expectations for the end of your project like do you think you might be able to actually kind of get these 
higher um, higher critical temperatures or is it more kind of just exploring the possibility? Yeah, so I think that's that's a really ambitious question mm -hmm. and I want to give an ambitious answer because I feel like I'm using tapes which are really cutting edge and I think these are the um, the superconducting tapes that they will use for future reactors like there's one called STEP that's being built in Nottinghamshire and uh, DEMO which is like a European effort um, so I'm hoping that at the end of my project I'll have um, investigated how these superconducting tapes operate under strains because you get a lot of like pulling and pushing of the magnets in a fusion reactor because of like the the Lorentz forces, <laughs> very scientific, <laughs> and the cooling causes lots of stresses and strains, which affects the critical temperature. So hopefully I will, at the end of my research, I'll have investigated the, the strain applied to these tapes and see if that's affected their critical temperatures at all. But so far I've I found that the critical temperatures are still very high, despite them being, you know, under so much strain and under extreme, like, conditions of a fusion reactor so it's looking good so far so hopefully at the end of my phd i'll be able to say these tapes are suitable for use in future fusion reactors which is like a major step forward for fusion because these tapes produce very strong fields to confine the plasma and they'll start to become cheaper as well as we make more of them so i think that would be a great victory mm -hmm. really but you know let's <laughs> see how it goes yeah fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed yeah wow very sad to hear that material physics is unescapable in practical applications. Oh, gosh, can't get away from material science. Being Tragic. a physicist, it hurts to do materials, but <laughs> gotta gotta learn about it. It's important. <laughs> okay, um, I wanted to ask you about um, how it seems like superconductivity is something that's really quite important in your research. So, is that something that you got much experience looking at in your undergraduate degree, or was it kind of new when you were going into your PhD? Yeah, so I'm going to be honest, I didn't do anything on superconductors in my undergrad. So I did, I actually specialised in particle physics and atmospheric physics, thinking that I wanted to be a climate scientist. Um, and I guess fusion is sort of related to climate and the climate change and stuff. Yeah. But I, there was an option to do superconductors but I I wanted to like try atmospheric physics see if that was what I wanted to do and then decided that I didn't enjoy it and I was in a bit of a panic then because oh I haven't learned anything about fusion or superconductors or plasma physics um will I still be able to do uh fusion <laughs> as like a PhD uh, but luckily um Luckily, well, I was specifically on this training program where in my first year I was given a whole co like whole series of lecture courses that taught me about fusion and superconductors. But I think um, I think that's applies to a lot of PhDs. You get trained about all the basics of your PhD in the first year okay. and then you go on to start research maybe six months after you've done all that background research. So like, don't panic. You don't <laughs> need to know much about your subject that you're doing your PhD in but um, I think as long as you have the background knowledge like the physics and the maths of like I don't know cross products and <laughs> uh, Maxwell's equations <laughs> you should be yeah the classic equations yeah I think yeah you should have no problems whatsoever so I was very very pleased to hear this really <laughs> being quite scared of being uh, a lot further behind everyone but 
I think also we all, there's people from lots of different backgrounds, like some engineers, some chemistry students, some physicists, they all come to do like similar projects, like either in superconductors or fusion. So we're all sort of like newbies. <laughs> so it's not a big deal if you haven't done any courses in your undergrad for your PhD. Okay, that's good to hear, because I think it's really easy to kind of think like, yeah, I need to specialise really early, I need to know everything about this subject if I'm going to go into it. But from what you said, it seems to be actually quite a lot more open, and that there seems to be a lot more options available to you. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, I think that's something a lot of people can get scared to, <laughs> scared about if they haven't heard otherwise, so yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, I was wondering if there were any kind of particular reasons for you choosing to go into um, like fusion physics instead of anything else. Yeah, so I guess I guess it's a, the like cliche like oh I learned about it at school and I was really inspired, but I think that's really true because I think fusion's been going on. <clears throat> sorry, it's been going on for quite a long time, but I don't think until recently it's been considered as something that's quite, in a way, important and exciting. So I guess by the time I got to the end of my degree, I decided I wanted to do something that would like, again, cliche, like change the world. <laughs> and um, and I thought like the climate situation, especially like energy in general, like future energy was a really big problem because like we, I think we've got around a hundred years until our coal reserves ro run out for our, um, for our energy from coal and and not only that like we've got a growing population we've got developing countries we're going to be using like loads and loads more energy like in the future so we're going to need to like increase our energy production alongside um, maintain it and then again we've got global warming to consider so we need energy which is clean and I feel like although there's alternatives like wind and solar and I think these are really fantastic I just feel like I want to specifically focus on something that's bigger and will produce like a large scale reliable energy amount of energy. So I guess that's why I decided like, yeah, I decided fusion was the path that I wanted to take. Um, I think also I like the ambition of it. Like there's a lot of like, I guess there's a lot of negativity associated with nuclear in general, like mm. people associate it with like, um, yeah, like fission and like danger and radioactivity and stuff. And there's also like a lot of pessimism because it's not like fusion's not a very researched technology. It might not even work. Could be like a hundred years away if if like if not much money is thrown into it basically. So I guess I felt like, you know what, this is this is gonna be a challenge. <laughs> Let's just get involved and see what I can do really. Like I feel like it's something that if it does work, it would be absolutely fantastic. And if it doesn't work, like, it's almost like, oh, well, I guess that was, we tried at yeah, least. Yeah, it a shot. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a, um, I guess a bit of a, a dream, really, a bit of an ambition. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's sort of, that's sort of what my mentality was towards going into fusion. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a much more kind of um, practical, uh, practical kind of kind of research in its applications compared to something like more theoretical in that like yes. there's it's quite I guess easy to see about like there's a lot of good that can come out of future research yeah exactly and I guess I have like a sneaky escape because superconductors have applications in 
lots of different areas. <laughs> so if fusion doesn't work out, I've still got, uh, I guess, quite a valid skill set for for other areas. Got like, your bases covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got my jobs covered. No, but yeah. I hope that's some good information. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, I guess I also wanted to ask you about more kind of a general PhD experience because I think one of the first things that comes to mind when you think of PhD is like people giving you kind of horror stories of like yep. <laughs> being a slave to the grinds, you know, oh, like yes. long nights, always staying in the lab. Like what, what Are those like true in your experience? What, what would you have to say about those? Yeah, I, I totally sympathise. I had that same sort of impression before I started my PhD. Um, I think people I'd spoken to had said how it can be very demoralising and you have to be very independent. You just have to be really passionate, passionate enough to drive yourself and get up each day and know what to do and do independent reading to know what direction to go in. And so I guess I was a bit nervous starting a PhD and especially because I went straight from undergrad. I didn't, um, I went, yeah, I went straight from undergrad to my PhD with just the summer holidays between. And I was a bit like, oh, maybe I just need some time out to decide what I want to do. But I guess it felt to me like a, a sort of road I was on. And, and I felt four years is a long time to get myself sorted, you know, to figure out how it works. And, and it definitely does, like, after the first year, you sort of work out what you need to do and it's a bit overwhelming at first um but you sort of like you just you just don't really like worry about um that sort of expectation of having to as you said like work all the time and yeah it's just a very chilled atmosphere like definitely from my experience i found it a lot um calmer than doing an undergrad because you um yeah you basically you can decide where your project goes but that's not like an intimidating thing because okay. you can just say oh i haven't got any ideas today i'm just going to leave it today and start again tomorrow or next week when i've got a bit more like of an idea and motivation to to decide what i want to do so it's very it's very like laid back it's like got all of those things like independent working um a lot of time management being mm -hmm. in control of yourself and your time um but then again you've got like plenty of time to do this like you can just like go about it at your own time um just and yeah just enjoy it really you don't have to treat it like <laughs> like it's something you have to work at all the time um like i guess it's quite easy to say that but i sort of treat it like a, a nine to five job really but then if there's days where i just feel like i'm going nowhere i'll be like right it's better if i just stop now and then you know have have a cup of tea <laughs> go for a nap and then hopefully i'll be in a better mindset the next day or something because like there's no there's no point like <laughs> trying to convince yourself to um yeah to try to convince yourself to generate these cool ideas when you just have nothing <laughs> like so yeah i i think yeah so my advice to anyone thinking about what they want to do um yeah after their degree or anything just realize that a PhD is not as intimidating as a lot of people say like it's very laid back there's so much time to do anything and even if like you don't like produce any significant results it's all like I think yeah a lot of people don't to be fair like it's all about developing skills learning how to research getting that experience and if something like good comes out of it that's like a bonus really but 
yeah don't don't be hard on yourself like it's difficult to um to produce anything new in in a world where like there's a lot of a lot of um things that have already been discovered so discovering something new is really difficult but yeah so that's basically my general advice to yeah doing a phd yeah i think um like when you're in like in doing like a levels in undergrad like you're like showing i guess this world of like science that's like already known and like all you have to do is just kind of you know go through all the all the big stuff that's already known but when you're like doing independent research that's quite a quite a big jump to like try to yeah. expand our knowledge exactly um, yeah w w how would you, would you say like there are any kind of challenges in adapting to that difference yeah i guess it's really hard when you feel like everything's already been known everything's been done yeah and trying to find something new on top of that like that's something i've personally found really difficult but i think the way i go about it is by starting really small so like you've learned so much at A-levels and GCSEs, like you've basically covered the the basics of physics, like an all-round knowledge of physics. And then you suddenly have to specialise in this tiny little thing where the maths become so much more complicated and detailed. And you just think, oh my goodness, like how am I going to build on this? Like there's already so much that's been discovered, so many difficult equations. But I think that's that's what, that's sort of the good thing about it is you can just really focus on that tiny thing. You can say, I'm not going to worry about any of this other physics as some, maybe there's some other things I could use and like other equations that I could bring in. But at the moment, I'm going to focus on this sort of tiny little research path, like set yourself a research question. Just say, for example, for me, my general research question is, how can I make stronger magnets for a fusion reactor? And then from that basic question, you then um, you sort of take, read some literature on that and then take the equations from that and just work on those, basically. Like, don't try and sort of know everything about, ah, oh, what, what is the plasma physics behind this? Just focus on your tiny little research question. Because I think, although you feel like you're specialising a lot and you're, like, dedicating a lot of your life to one tiny thing, it's going to produce, like, the most significant results, I, I think, um, but yeah, it is very overwhelming. I think especially when you've done A-levels and you feel like you've learned a lot about everything, you feel very knowledgeable, and then <laughs> you suddenly have to like, like throw away all that knowledge and focus on something very small. I think that's very, that's very demoralizing. But it's also, as I said, relieving to know that you don't have to know everything about everything. You can just really focus on one research question and know that that's gonna make a big difference in the grand scheme, so yeah. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess you're saying that you like kind of pick your scope and you like really zoom in. Um, yeah. I was wondering, have you found that like your the scope that you of the really specific physics you're looking at has has that changed? And do you think that might change more in the future? I think that's a good point, actually. Um, I think that has happened to a lot of students, actually. In fact, one I was talking to the other day she just sort of comes up to me after a year and says. Oh, I've had to completely change my Ooh, project. Wow. <laughs> like, they've had to change basically the material that they were studying, which is th their project, basically. And I think, oh my goodness, that must be really demoralizing to have to suddenly change route like that. Um, and yeah, I haven't personally had to deal with that. I've, I've sort of been focusing on something which me and my supervisor have decided is sort of 
the best I could be doing, really the best thing I could be doing in terms of the literature that's already out there, the research that's already been done. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, in the next couple of years, they're going to have developed an even better superconductor, which is much better than the one that I'm testing for fusion reactors. And I think that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a kick in the guts to um, have to like abandon what I'm working on and um, yeah, work on something else. And yeah, that's something that I do like would struggle with. And I'm not sure how I would respond to it, but I think after like realizing like that is just science, like (laughs) there's, there's, I think even you must experience in your undergrad, there's so many times where you think you've got it and you haven't and you realize, oh, okay, it's a lot more complex than I thought it was. But yeah, I think it's just about keep, keep going and don't worry about it because you can only do your best and you never know what the future is going to look like and you never know what everyone else is doing as well. So you can only just focus on your little world and (laughs) hope that, you know, with enough networking, you can keep up with everyone, but there's always going to be that group that's ahead of you and it's discovered like room temperature superconductivity, which they haven't told you about. And you're like, okay. (laughs) So yeah, like, yeah, my, I think my, my take on that is to just sort of, stick it stick at your guns um until something new information comes along and then you then you have a reason to sort of feel bad about yourself but <laughs> but yeah <laughs> no yeah it's all it's all the beauty of science like just remember like science is very like very changing and also very competitive as well so that's sort of the downside of it but it's just the way it is i guess yeah <laughs> So do you have like your kind of superconductivity bubble which you're like keeping up to date with? Yeah, I guess we do really. Like it's kind of cute really. We just have a group of us that love talking about superconductors. So like in Durham, there's a group of five of us and we're all working on different parts of superconductivity. So two of us are experimental and two two of us are computational. Oh no three three of us are experimental yeah and we sort of like help each other and even though we don't know exactly what each other are doing it's still like nice to like chat and try and learn and stuff but yeah it does become a bubble I have to admit like and I won't stress the importance of talking to people doing other PhDs that aren't in your area so like I think in the Durham physics department it's especially good because we have like socials very often where we try and get everyone from the physics department to come for coffee and to chat about our work so we're not just limited I don't know we don't just get into the PhD bubble where you just (laughs) focus solely on yourself and nothing else nothing else (laughs) so yeah it's important to um yeah just to learn about other people's projects but as you said like it does become a bubble and it's kind of wholesome in a way but also it's quite Sometimes it's nice to like realize there's other things in physics and life in general than your research. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I'm picturing like high school esque cliques of physicists. Yeah, yeah, we form like those groups at school. You, know, you <laughs> had like the group of physicists who just like talked physics and stuff, <laughs> and the the group of like humanity students which didn't like to mingle with the scientists. <laughs> no, it's not too bad. Not as bad as that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you more about the kind of social aspects of the PhDs, but I think first maybe we should have a bit of a break. So Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, so we'll be back in five minutes for more Physics Survivor. See you soon. 
Hi everyone, I'm talking with uh, Emma Gillard, a PhD student, um, telling me about the kind of process of doing a PhD, what it's like. And um, now, Emma, I was hoping you could tell me a bit about the kind of social aspect of doing a PhD. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I mentioned a bit before about about it um, before the break, but I, yeah, I found doing a PhD can be a very isolating experience. And I think there's a lot of stereotypes around that as well. Like, um, I think it is, there's a lot of associations with like lone working, working for long hours, sort of being in a lab on your own. Um, and I guess in a way that is very true. Like there's been days where I've just been in the lab on my own and like all day. And there's also been times where I've had to come in at the weekends because I'm running an expensive experiment, which needs like like attendance over the weekend. So I've had to had to come in over the weekend on my own, which is, yeah. And I think those days I have found really difficult um and yeah so so yeah i guess the truth is it can be very lonely at times but um but i think on the whole a phd experience is yeah it's a very connecting experience so one of the main advantages i've found of doing a phd is the networking so you uh, have the opportunity to go to these conferences maybe like yearly even and here you'll meet with like people from all over the world or all over the country that are working on your area of research and not only does this give you like direction for your work and inspiration it also like you make friends from across the world like i have friends from like new zealand for example and i would otherwise never have met anyone from new zealand i don't think so you do like you do have like long maybe a week like maybe not even a week i'd say just a few days of like like intense work and then it always like you're always working towards something where other people are as well so you all get together and share that sort of experience of yeah doing work and like doing finding this um yeah piece of doing this piece of research and finding something really interesting that you can connect with people and talk about so i think that's been like like a really real advantage there and um especially as doing a phd you're like associated with like a university or an institution and you have people like maybe there's not so many PhD students as like undergrads for example but you're all like working on a PhD you're all sort of lonely together in a way so it's really easy to sort of meet up with people in the department and like just connect with them um so so for example like at Durham yeah we have there's maybe five of us in my group and we're a very close group, so we always keep each other company. So I never feel like lonely then. Aww. And we're always like we always have stuff going wrong, so we're always moaning at each other, which is also quite nice because sometimes you feel like you're the only one that's going down a dead end with your research. Maybe some days, so it's good to have like those guys around. But then there's people from different parts of the department who like maybe study particle physics or um, yeah um, astronomy and like. It, it takes a bit of effort but we can all get together and like meet up for coffee now and again because doing a PhD it's not like a job in the sense that you have to work this set number of hours right. you can just walk in walk out when you want really um and you can like stop for tea if you're ever like going nowhere getting stressed or overwhelmed the best thing you can do is just stop for a cup of tea and there's always someone in the department that's having the same sort of struggles as that same experience so 
yeah there's it it becomes like a little family because you're you're all in it for about four years so that's like enough time to form a really close close network of friends that's nice and we have like regular coffee mornings cake mornings <laughs> uh pub trips <laughs> where we always end up like talking about physics anyway but you know it's all good it's all good really so i think yeah on the whole i think there can be days where it's really lonely but realizing that the next day you know you'll have you'll have like a pub trip planned so it's sort of there's always something to look forward to and it's very flexible as well like there's never like i have to go to this thing at this time it's like i can meet with somebody whenever i want not like i have to arrange a particular time so yeah so that's my experience of the um the social side of it yeah okay that's actually quite um more similar to kind of the undergrad experience than i would have thought it would be yes definitely there's i think there's a lot of freedom to doing a phd like as well as an undergrad like although you sort of I guess treat it like a job there's still like that freedom to go at your own pace and do do the work you need to do but in your own time in a way as long as you're like getting it done and stuff so like don't panic don't think that it's going to be this really intense draining four years of your life um it's it can be I guess it you can make it draining but I would advise not to I would advise to um just mainly focus on enjoying it and making friends and learning learning stuff and just trying the best you can at it but not beating yourself up because it is likely to go wrong <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you say it's kind of like you get a sense that everyone's sort of in it together I think like uh, what like my favorite part of last year doing my undergrad was like kind of everyone coming together and cramming for exams at the end yeah. Like start of like the final term because like <laughs> just like it's kind of stressful but also like the sense that everyone's like in it together is yeah. really nice it's really nice actually that feeling that you're all sort of struggling in a, in a <laughs> bad way like that that sounds bad but <laughs> to know that you're you're all like cramming or you're all sort of struggling you're all at a dead end it's it's a nice sort of feeling to be in it with somebody you know instead of yeah, for sure. being on your own through it so yeah i think it's a really sort of connecting social experience doing a phd yeah no i, I definitely know that feeling <laughs> <laughs> yeah the exam exam crams <laughs> the another thing like about phds i wanted to ask you about is um people say that like it's very important to kind of get like a good supervisor uh, i want to ask you about like your experiences with that yeah that's a really good thing to bring up because i think one of the most important choices doing a phd is choosing your supervisor like i guess because you're stuck in four years with with somebody and i guess the relationship with you have with your supervisor is one of the sort of one of the strongest relationships and you need to make sure you get it right type yeah. thing um so that's probably one of the biggest i think after choosing what research project you want I think choosing who you're going to research with like is really important and I think one thing to realize is that there is a a spectrum of supervisors and and it really depends on your character who you think you can work well with so there's sort of I guess for for two ends of the spectrum there's the supervisor that is always looking over your shoulder really want pushing you to do more work harder and get better results and then the, on the other end there's a supervisor that never like pays you any attention doesn't really care what you're doing 
but is kind of nice and gentle and hopes that you're well. So it's about sort of finding what personality you're best suited to there. Um, I think, yeah, personally, I would like, I guess somebody that, I guess in the middle really, somebody that will be interested in what I'm doing, uh, but not too much that I feel like claustrophobic <laughs> with it. <laughs> but then um, I want them to also be like compassionate and laid back. So if something goes wrong, they're not going to give me stick about it. Yeah. Like, like if I destroyed a £1,000 thermometer, like I nearly did the other day. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's a really good point to bring up. Um, and I think if you don't know your supervisor very well, it can make the four years quite difficult. So I think therefore, like, if you've done your undergrad at a university and you know maybe the supervisors quite well, it might be a good idea to um, sort of build a connection with those super like those professors and supervisors that you could do a PhD with. Um, but I think if you're jumping into a different, completely different university, I think yeah, it would be worth like definitely reading about their research, sort of meeting them in person quite a few times, and then. And then, like, taking a long time to decide if you would work well with that person. Because I think it's not a, it's definitely a more personal thing than a physics skill set thing. Like, you can be really good at physics, but if your personalities clash, then it just won't work. So that's definitely a really good point and something to to consider. Like, the second most important thing, I would say, is choosing the right supervisor. Uh, it really is quite important then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like you can always make it work. Like communication is really important as well. So, okay, um, you mentioned that like if you are planning on doing like a PhD at the same place you're doing your undergrad, then you could kind of get to know people in advance. But um, I guess would would you say it's kind of more worth doing a PhD somewhere different, or like like what kind of advantages and disadvantages would you say there are to doing it? somewhere different or at the same place you studied before yeah that's actually a really good point actually and something I would like to bring up because I oh yeah I did my undergrad at Oxford and I was sort of considering staying at Oxford for another four years um and I decided in the end to move to Durham um as the pro the project that I wanted was at Durham and yeah and I got on well with my supervisor and yeah and i think i'm i'm very glad i made that move because i know like almost everyone i've spoken to who has stuck at their university has ended up staying there for like eight years of their lives and they're sort of getting a bit fed up with it and although they like know their supervisor really well and they have some really strong relations i think they're sort of like ready to move on like definitely and I think for me, I think it's also more of a personal thing. So like for me, after four years at one place, I was sort of ready to ready to move on. Um, right. And a lot of my undergraduate friends left anyway. So I would have had to basically start from scratch with friends. Um, so there wouldn't be much advantage there to staying. And yeah, I think it's like a personal thing. Like if you're very, very happy somewhere, I think it's definitely worth staying. Um, but if you're feeling like oh yeah I've seen this place I kind of want to try a bigger city for example then yeah I think moving there is better because PhD is only one part of it you know there's there's the physics of doing your PhD but then there's your whole life yeah. like, you've got to really enjoy where you're living you've got to enjoy the the social aspect the um 
I don't know the nightlife if you're into it <laughs> so yeah there's like I think yeah one thing to realize about like university I think as an undergraduate and a postgraduate like that the work is only one part of it like it's a massive life experience and you know the step from a levels to undergrad is huge yeah for sure so like you, you need to re- I don't know like I I needed to realize that um work is important yes but I think this is like a life journey not just work <laughs> so there's so many things to consider yeah. yeah I think that's a helpful perspective you can't just like kind of zero in on just the work aspect and nothing else exactly yeah 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 it's about balance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so uh, I guess we we're kind of coming up nearly to time um, I wanted to ask if there were like any kind of general tips that you had to people thinking about applying to PhDs. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. So my my number one tip is to be, um, I think, to be confident because I think with PhDs you can get a bit like lost. I think it's easy to um, get lost not only in your work but also in like sort of life in general because it's a long time that you're sort of you've dedicated your life to like quite a long time doing this thing and and it's quite easy to feel like oh have I taken the wrong path is this not right like it's a long time am I really enjoying it is my work going anywhere but I think you need to sort of have this mindset of yes it is going somewhere (laughs) even though it really doesn't feel like it like I think yeah um have to be positive and confident in yourself and that know that even though like it feels like you're going down lots of dead ends you're slowly making progress like two steps forward one step back type thing so i think yeah my general tip would be yeah to be confident in yourself and um to try and see it in a positive way and then realize like even if nothing really good comes of it there'll still be great like employment opportunities and you would have a lot of like skills gained and experience and they're all really positive things so yeah, I think, yeah, to be positive and have confidence in what you're doing, I think, yeah, is my advice there. Yeah, I've heard a lot about people having sort of like imposter syndrome when doing a PhD. Yes, yeah, I think definitely, because you get people from loads of different backgrounds. There's people that have come from like the top universities and have like got like years of experience and they have, you feel like they have so much more to offer, but just realizing that you have a lot to offer as well like you have different things to offer but you have equally valid things so don't yeah that's something to remember (laughs) well something I needed to remember (laughs) yeah that's a good point though imposter syndrome is a big problem yeah okay so if you're like thinking of like actually applying um what do you think people should sort of look out for when looking at projects yeah so I think you gotta ask yourself what was it at undergrad that I really enjoyed like it doesn't even have to be like what you feel like was the most useful way to spend your time like if you really enjoyed like hardcore maths like you should think yes I need to do a theoretical PhD I need to do the hardcore maths and then decide like what is it that I found either interesting or fulfilling to study like if you found it interesting to study like the Higgs boson or something then like yeah do that and don't like hold back from it but if you felt like more fulfilled having learnt about um yeah like um I guess like more material stuff then I think yeah do that like do what sort of your 
like what sort of gave you the biggest like motivation at university as an undergraduate <clears throat> to to do yeah so I guess like sort of look around look at all the options but focus on the ones that sort of bring back good memories as as an undergraduate if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah okay that's great thank you very much well I think like we're pretty much out of time now so um, thank you very much for coming to speak with us today oh no thank you for having me <laughs> Um, is there anything that you'd like, kind of like to plug or shout out? Like maybe if you have like a outreach website or anything like that. Um, oh, I don't don't think so. I just want to say like stay in physics, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a yeah, it's such a fantastic science, and yeah, I hope yeah, I hope you all can sort of consider maybe PhD as an option for your future. But there's so much out there, so much to do. So. Just like speak to lots of different people, go to different things, and yeah, like stay in physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I don't really have any outreach stuff to mention, but uh, that's all right. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I'll see you soon for more Physics by Robert. Bye.